to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Oh boy. Uh, so here's the thing. Okay. I, I'm really enjoying our time back. And yeah. we're, we're probably as busy as we've ever been in our entire life. And I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, uh, gosh, you know, we don't, we hardly don't have any time to breathe. I haven't eaten dinner yet. And I was kind of being a little whiny, you know, a little baby earlier. And then we have episodes like this and I'm like, you, you, you need to suck it up because hunger can wait when you're talking to a guy that has literally developed a lot of supplements and has a wealth of knowledge, but you know, we, we have not really covered a whole breadth of the nutrition and feeding side of things. And of all people to have help us guide through that. And we have had nutrition discussions before, but a guy like Dr. Bergoon to come on and share his wealth of knowledge and then tell some funny stories along the way. And I mean, man, it it makes being tired uh, and putting, putting off eating some food. It's worth it. Definitely. So we we got some updating to do as well um, because you sound a little different. Um, which is, is is funny. It it tells you how much we really, how much energy we put into these microphones, because I think all your energy blew up your soundboard. So we're working to get that fixed or get a better one, probably just get a better one. And now you're on the road. So Corey, what's happening? Well, uh, for those that were in Indianapolis last week, uh, Springfield, the summertime conference and national junior show for, ABA, CPS, and Team Purebred is is going on this week, and uh, on the day that this episode goes out, which is Wednesday, I have learned, uh, because I cannot <laughs> seem to get my day straight, um, Wednesday, uh, today, if you're listening, is uh, show day, junior show day, and uh, one day of two days of junior show days, but uh, very, very exciting week. The weather is perfect. And I could not tell you how many people pulled through the check-in line with trailers that, uh, you know, I was checking health papers on that just said, Hey, really enjoy you guys being back on the air and listening to the podcast. So fortunately, uh, some people had some content to listen to from us, Jeff. Sweet. I was, that was intentional right in time for show season. Yeah. Yeah. Totally on purpose. Um, it actually just worked out that our lives got a little more organized. Yes. Uh, will Walton be there? Walton webcasting is here. And, uh, I tell you what livestock, like you have never seen before. I thought was really cool. Um, what happened in Indianapolis at the exposition, Mm -hmm. the grand drive was cool. A new feature that Walton has at these shows now is they have a ring cam uh, that during grand drives, champion drives, all that kind of stuff. They actually have a live camera that one of the uh, one of the folks actually grant grant uh, ran the, the the live cam in the ring and getting some different angles and shots. I asked him uh, if you guys can remember, we talked about this last year, I think 
of how they were maybe thinking about doing a sky cam. Yeah. That's still kind of in the works. Whoa. Not quite fully developed yet. But Man, yes. I'm telling you, Walton, I, and I'm super thankful because I can't get to as many shows uh, as I could. And I sat there and watched the entire Grand Drive at, at the, the exposition. Um, and I'm planning on doing the exact same thing there in Springfield. So, uh, and that's probably just their ad read. I know I say, you know, we, we talk about them every week and that's kind of our job, but seriously, so thankful for Walton webcasting and you ought to just go subscribe if you haven't already, because you need to relive moments like they just had in Indianapolis. Um, the sale, not to mention the, the grand drive, but this amazing sale that they had, woof it's awesome so uh, i expect big things there in springfield uh this week and uh hey if you're listening um shoot us a snapchat i like i just like snapchat because it makes me feel like i'm i'm there but um in the life of tk uh we've got the buckeye livestock expo happening this weekend edge club lambs is a sponsor and we'll have a banner in the ring so we're thankful for you guys and everybody else that sponsored it um, and if you're listening to this and you are in the area and plan to, to exhibit, I I'd suggest you do. We're going to have DJ and pizza party and, uh, we have ABGA shows. We've got an open, uh, lamb show, of course, hog show. It's going to be a good time. Be a lot of stuff going on. Um, but Worcester, Ohio is going to be the place to be here this weekend. So pumped up about that. Yeah, you guys have a prime location, good spot to be, lots of things to do even outside the fairgrounds. So, yeah, uh, yeah, should be should be a fun weekend, I think, for everybody. Yeah, going and on uh, into this show season. We just had an auction site uh, or an auction for our trailer spots. Went really well. We're appreciative of everybody that purchased those. And uh, a little site called Showpig.com helped us out with that. They uh, they've actually sponsored an entire ring. So it's the Showpig.com ring. That's happening, and they hosted our auctions, so it's pretty awesome. We really appreciate the folks at showpig.com. Obviously, the place to buy and sell pigs. Uh, or trailer spots. By the way, or trailer spots, <laughs> yeah, or used equipment, anything like that. By the way, thank you for those that reached out to me, speaking of used equipment. I know we talked about it uh, last week's episode, which thank you for those that responded Uh we did end up getting some show cow fans for our show cows. Um, <laughs> so no worries there. Um, all good. We're, we're well on our way to the uh, edge livestock cooperative being full, full blown show cattle. Just kidding. We're not going to ever go full blown show cattle. I don't think unless the little ones yeah. want to do it, but well, would you look yeah. at that? Um, uh- Stock Talk is also a place that you can get used equipment. Just all you got to say is you need some turbo fans really bad. Yeah. 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 Actually, uh, if anybody does have used equipment to sell uh, and knows of any good poppers around, oh, uh, I'd, probably, I'd probably be interested in one of those too. But I mean, I might as well go buy a new one for some of the used prices that are out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. But Trev, I was thinking about something new something different um something that you and i say more often probably than what we realize oh boy i had a i had a holy buckets moment oh uh i had a holy buckets moment in in indianapolis i was i was driving uh to the exposition 
and I saw a semi flipped on its side. Any guesses on what was inside the semi cargo trailer? Um, just throwing it out in left field. I'm going to say gallons of milk. No, it was filled with candy. Oh, you don't say the, the world's largest pinata (laughs) was on the ground. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, did you happen to pull over and just like get a bobcat and scoop it all up? So, you know, speaking of holy buckets, I wish that I would have had a five gallon bucket or something just to toss some, some of that candy in there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I saw that thing. I was like, holy buckets. That is not good. Uh, and it made me, it made me think like, Hey, did Trevor have a holy buckets moment this past week? Did I ever my holy buckets moment? Um, I was at a County fair. And, okay. uh, I, I feel that, like that really sets the scene. Yes. So I'm at a County fair, right. And doing this event and, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and there's people around, people are joining by the way, the environment now without COVID, like people are just appreciative and fun and this and that, but that's, that's a side street. My Holy Buckets moment was when, um, all right, set the scene up a little bit. We're in the dairy barn. At the end of the dairy barn, there's an open area, so we were doing this event. And um, we heard this commotion, this banging and thrashing. Like, what the heck is that? So somebody was trying to clip their dairy heifer for the show this week, and she decided, uh, no, we're not having any of that, and decided to jump over the fence that she was tied to and whiplashed herself because obviously she was tied to a halter. So her picture, her head not moving, but her entire body hip went over the fence and she was teeter tottering on this fence that she was tied to while her neck was on the other side. Her butt was on the, uh, the opposite side of the fence and she's sitting there like what the heck just happened? And we all just kind of like, uh, because uh, you don't want to rush up to that situation. It'll freak you out more. So they yeah. they, were, they did very good job. They were very calm. They lifted her up and over. And she was actually, I think she just got spooked. I don't know what it was. And then moments after that, my serious needed a lot of buckets. It rained buckets that day. And <laughs> that so it was blowing in rain right on these heifers' faces. So all of them were yanking back because it was a serious storm. But Anyway, I had one heck of a holy buckets moment this week. I mean, holy buckets. That first of all, I have a question to ask. Why was she just tied to the fence and not in a chute? Yeah, I don't know. It was, you know, how at the county fair, how they kind of okay. Yeah, all right. You answered the question. Is that a county fair? Yeah. I have no, I have no further questions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was kind of like in the stalls, but the stalls aren't stalls. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was comical. It was, it was pretty eventful. So, um, but yeah, definitely like this, this deal where this is going. Holy buckets. Yeah. Just came to me. So, uh, we do have a a repeat caller. Your brother is loving this, uh, this hotline we've got going on. Uh, the dad jokes are, are comical. Uh, so I am opening it up. Should we give it a title? Should we call it Tanner's Tales? Tanner's Tales. I like it. Uh, he seems to be repeat caller, so I, I love it. He always tells a little story with it. Um, so the the line is open to everybody. This isn't just 
for Tanner or, you know, we've had Max on there. Uh, so it's open and we do not have a breed them, ship them, show them because people aren't calling in or sending us a Snapchat or a Facebook message. So the deal is, if you want breed them, ship them, show them, send them to us, call us. You could be part of the show. Just call 234-320-0457. It's all you got to do. Just call three, excuse me, 234-320-0457. That's our hotline. And I, I would really like to throw up, throw in a breed them, ship Don't throw show. up. Don't throw up. That would be bad. So don't throw. I'm, uh, I'm going to throw up because we don't have a breed and ship and show this week. I know it's been a while. It's been the first time in a while, but we're not going to force yeah. it. Only if our listeners no. want it. All right. Yeah. So here's Tanner's tales. Hey, what's up, Stock Talk Nation? It's Tanner Edge back here again. I've got another dad joke on the way for you guys. Uh, I don't know if this is an original or not, but I'm going to say it's an original from me uh, because I came up with this joke right after our bedtime routine with our uh with my wife Lexi and our baby boy Memphis so uh every night for the most part uh we'll go to his bedroom and and get him ready for bed and then we'll sit down in the in there and we will read him a bedtime story and and so I came up with this dad joke uh based on his story what do you call a redneck hippo? A hippopotamus. Well, anyway, uh, I hope everybody uh, has had a good week so far. Um, remember to uh, just stay positive and uh, show the people around you some love. And uh, can't wait to uh, be back home again and tell you guys another joke. Oh, what an a original. Hic- a hippopotamus. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He's your brother. I mean, I, I love it. I, la- I, know. I laugh at I know. It. it. It's. <laughs> uh, I know we're probably the, I mean, it's, oh, it's good stuff. Shoot. But, hey, it could be used for anything. We just want more people to call in. Leave us a message. Hey. I I will let this Tanner's Tales train run as long as it can because uh, there's some good content in there. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, uh, the folks are waiting for Doctor Bagoon, and uh, I'm telling you, I I I was sitting here with my jaw on the floor. With some of the things that he's done, the avenue he took to get to where he was, is not traditional, and it, it's incredible. So, Mister Edge, let's bring in the doctor. By all means, Trevor, I'm just going to let you hit the play button on this one. Folks, welcome to Stock Talk Podcast, Dr. Kevin Burgoon. Well, I'm excited about this one because we have an expert, another expert on the show, Corey, um, actually came uh, submitted. Somebody really wanted to hear from Dr. Burgoon. So Kevin Burgoon is on this week, and thank you so much, Dr. Burgoon, for jumping on and uh, taking uh, some time out of your really busy schedule to answer some of these questions. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I've been looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we like to get started on just kind of hearing a little bit about uh, your background and and all that uh, good stuff. So 
Just tell us a little bit about uh, you know your show livestock career and how you got started and uh, your family education and the whole bit. All right. It's a little different than most, I think. Um, my dad was in the Air Force. He's, I think he spent 27 years in the Air Force, retired from that um, in San Antonio. He was stationed at Randolph Air Force Base, and when he did, he bought a small farm. And on that farm where we moved to when I was 10, I believe, had a, a small flock of registered Suffolk sheep on it. And I fell in love with those things um, and got into 4-H. Um, they started a new 4-H club there in Shirts, Texas, where I grew up. And, um, of course, was showing uh, those sheep and added to them from time to time, new bucks and news and so on. Um, but where I really got started was, um, and this is kind of the, the strange part, maybe, I owe a debt of gratitude to uh, Sears Roebuck Foundation that I will probably never be able to repay. But but I want to mention them because they had a program, and this was way back, you know, like the way back machine in the 60s. Um <laughs> I, uh, they had a program where they would buy 10 gilts, registered gilts and a bore for basically any county in the nation. And there was quite a few counties that took them up on that. Ours was one of it, Guadalupe County, Texas. And, uh, they, they purchased 10 gilts, Duroc gilts from a local breeder, um, and a bore and, then, uh, of course, you'd raise the gilts. Uh, we had to show them at the county uh, youth livestock show and skiing. And then they had a, a district show and then a state show. And um, I won the district show with that gilt and came in second in state. And then you raise those things and breed them to the boar, um, have a litter, and you donate a gilt back out of that first litter. And then you're done. Your, your obligation is done. And that's why they call it the chain. So that every, every year, theoretically, of course, it doesn't happen this way. Ten kids get uh, a Duroc guilt every year, and it just continues. Of course, we, we know that um, things happen. Animals are uh, biological units that don't always cooperate, and things happen, you know, and, you know, slowly but surely over time, you know, um, you know, things kind of peter out there, but that's how I got started was with that Duroc guilt. And I, I really fell in love with that thing. I, I, I love 4-H. I got into high school and was in FFA and showed pigs and, and lambs, breeding sheep, market lambs, and the same for hogs, breeding hogs and, and, uh, and market hogs. And also a, a steer or two. Um, although, you know, that was kind of a sideline. I really liked the sheep and pig end of it um, and completed a year in uh, or uh, my career in 4-H and FFA. It was actually the first in Texas, the state farmer degree are called Lone Star Farmers. And I was um, the recipient of the first Lone Star Farmer degree from our ag chapter. So hmm. that's kind of a, a neat no kidding. Uh, huh side deal but that's how I got started and I always wondered at that time I liked it so much that I wondered how you know I knew sooner or later I was going to graduate from high school and then what I want you know how can I make a living doing this turns out I could um, my my dad took a job with uh, overseas 
both my brothers went into the um, service. One brother was in the Coast Guard, the other in the Navy. So I was there and my sister had moved away. So I was there. It was me and my mom uh, when I was from the time I was about 12 or so up. And I didn't have uh, a lot of help getting started, but I loved it and um, just dove into it and made a bunch of mistakes. I mean, about everyone you could make. Fortunately, um, I had the good sense to learn from those things. And, you know, I always say, you, you know, if you, you know, learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from other people's mistakes, kind of watch what other people are doing and so on. And, um, don't repeat their mistakes anyway. So uh -huh. anyway, that's how I got into sheep and pigs and, and livestock in general. And, um, from there, um, you know, went to college, uh, spent a couple of years in college and then decided that I wanted to uh, do something else was, uh, went in the air force for, uh, a couple, uh, well, a few years and more than a couple, but, um, I copied Morse code while I was in the air force. And when I got out of the air force, what that taught me, there was worse things in life than going to college. <laughs> so uh, went back to college and finished a, a bachelor's degree at uh, Solross state in uh, West Texas, and then taught a year of ag uh, in North Dakota, of all places, and uh, was a county agent in New Mexico for five years and another about four years in Texas, and then went back and finished a master's at Sol Ross, transferred to Texas A&M, and uh, finished a PhD in animal nutrition um, there in 1990. And about 1985, my twin daughters came along, and they started showing when they were seven. And one of my one of my motivations for going back to college, and uh, you know, and seeking a higher degree, an advanced degree in nutrition, was because I really like to win. Um, hmm. People that know me kind of know that um, I don't uh, I don't throw a fit when we don't win. I won't call it losing because if you do your best, you're not a loser. That's, hmm. But I like uh, being first is always better than being second or beyond, you know. So um, because of that, I didn't know enough about nutrition when I was a county agent and uh, an ag teacher. So I went back to graduate school to learn that. And my benef my daughters were the beneficiaries of that. Um, and um, they started their 4-H career again when they were eight in Texas. We moved to Ohio and then we moved to Kansas City area. And that's kind of um, how I got got started in it. And again, twin daughters that that showed uh, same as me, basically market hogs, breeding hogs, market lambs, and breeding sheep. They had a a flock of Southdowns that we showed at the Missouri State Fair and Louisville, and in the fall, and, and so on. So um, that was that program, the 4-H program, was very good to them. Um, and and when I say they came along in 1985, I should have mentioned they're twins, identical twins. So um, anyway, that's my how I got started, a little bit about my family, and uh, kind of brings us up to date here. I've been doing the, the show feed nutrition technical part of it that's formulating feeds and uh, doing clinics and teaching people about our feeds and, and so on and, and how to raise animals since uh, – about 2003 for uh, Perina and how that came about. That's an, 
also a weird story. Went to work for farmland <laughs> in Kansas City. Land of Lakes bought farmland in 1999. Then they bought Perina in 2000. And before that, I did swine technical service for most of the US, uh, eastern U.S. And then 2003, they put me in the show feeds. Um, so I had an aptitude for it because my daughters were showing and so on. And been doing that ever since. Hmm. So, so what's crazy to me is that you're your interest in nutrition was non-existent until even after you were in the service. That's correct. Uh, so, so when you, when you first uh, get down the path and where did you go to school? Well, I went to, you know, from bachelor's and master's degrees at Soros state university in Alpine, Texas, and then uh, for my PhD at Texas A&M. Okay. So at that time, you know, nutrition, supplements, things of that nature probably weren't as popular as what they are now um, as far as yep. developing those things. So you were kind of on the front end of of being able to see all this unfold. And so what was it about nutrition or being a nutritionist uh, at that time that really kind of piqued your interest? Was it more so, you know, learning more about, you know, the show livestock projects that you and your your family were working on or, or what was kind of the, the tipping point that said, man, I really would like to know more about uh, nutrition and feeding. Well, it was the first inkling of that was my county agent days where we could get good animals, you know, uh, lambs and pigs and so on. Um, it was getting them fed right. And if everything went right, which seldom does, um, if everything, you know, where you could just feed them, and then show them, and they fit right into the weight category or weight range that you wanted. Everything was good. It was when you had to slow them down or speed them up, or you needed more muscle or more of this or more of that. And back then, there was very little tools. Um, I, if I can mention a name brand, really the only back then my county agent days, the only real show feed show feed for pigs was top flight feeds out of uh, Slayton, Texas. Um, and, uh, you know, it was very popular. They, they sold the tar out of it, probably out of business now. That's why I mentioned them. They're not a competitor anymore. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's, you know, I kind of got interested in it in that way, but I certainly kicked in the high gear when my daughters came along and I realized, you know, something I, I need to up my game here to, 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 for them to be able to compete. Uh, at a higher level. Um, so that's, that's really when it kicked in. And I, I should say something I left out after I finished my PhD, I was a nutritionist at Producers Co-op in Bryan, Texas for a little over three years. And um, that was a, a tremendous learning experience. Uh, James Dethridge gave me the, the opportunity there uh, to to be the the nutritionist in the last month or so as a feed department manager, but really I was a nutritionist during that time, and I got to see how feed is made, uh, what makes a good feed, what makes a pellet hold together. Uh, my office was like maybe twenty feet from the mixer and maybe thirty feet from the pellet mill, so I was in the guts of the mill and saw all those things. It was a tremendous learning opportunity and getting to formulate feeds. And then have instant feedback, you know, where people would come in and, and tell me, you know what, that feed stinks, you know, do something else. Okay, we'll do that and we'll try again. Um, and, uh, 
you know, it was a, it was a, a very, very valuable experience where I did learn kind of about ingredients was while I was working on my PhD at A&M, I did uh, metabolism studies in pigs. In other words, we operated on them, put uh, cannulas in them in their end of their small in, in, intestine, the terminal end, the ileum, and collected them. We did four by four Latin squares, which means we use four feed stuffs at a time, four types of milk, four types of eggs, four types of blood meal, whatever it was, fed them for a week for five days, collected for two, and then switched them and, and did, you know, each one of them got the, uh, that diet. Anyway, I got to see what each of those ingredients did in those pigs. And I kind of made a mental note of like what dried skim milk did, what, what whey did, what fish meal did and each type of them. And it, that was a tremendous learning experience. So that that's kind of where my, my, I, and I have just been fortunate. It, it's not me. It's, it's the things that I've been able to experience in life it, it that were just came along and um, most of it is wasn't any of my doing it was just a good fortune and being blessed wow at at the early stages of you know product development and stuff like that when you were working there what was the industry thinking you know as far as supplements and and different nutritional advantages for show livestock what was the big push that people were missing, you know, in that development phase? Well, um, in the early days and, and still when I worked at producers, that was still kind of the early days. There was, um, and I'll mention this one, uh, this brand, there's still a competitor, but um, it was Mormons that really had the first show pig feeds that I can remember. Uh, they were first to the table. Um, they were kind of the, the, the pace setters. Um, and uh, they didn't, they only had I think one supplement and it came along later, uh, but their feeds were were pretty good. Um, at least when I say pretty good, they were way better than what we had had in the past because we just had to had to use commercial feeds, uh, maybe some pig starters that type of thing. Um, so um, there really wasn't an awful lot of of uh, show feeds back then. Um, you know, it was the people that. There was a few people that, if there was any secrets in the show world, it was back then where where people had experience, had tried, and and I encourage people to do this, you know, with our products or any products. But during maybe during the off season or maybe during the the you know if it's in the south in in Texas, Oklahoma, even in the fall where they're feeding their animals for show, maybe they have one or two that they're experimenting with just to see what products will do. You know, you, you hear a lot, uh, you can read a lot, you can hear a lot about about different supplements and feeds and stuff. And uh, some of it's good information, some of it's bogus, a lot of it, mo- probably most of it is bogus. Um, but, you, you know, learn for yourself and, and see what the products do themselves, um, you know, for yourself. And, uh, um, you know... Uh, I guess I'm saying that, that that's what those guys did back then. The good feeders kind of had their own secrets because they had done the homework. They had, and they didn't want to give that information to their competitors. And you can't hardly blame them. Um, but nowadays we have uh, feeds and supplements that are specialized. 
Um, it's not just a show feed that a, a brand has anymore. They're for specific reasons. And then we even have, you know, like you say, all those supplements that go on top of that, uh, that kind of spike the nutrition for, for specific periods of time. Hmm. Well, this is fascinating. Um, and, and I encourage everybody listening to, to really take in a lot of this because I feel like, uh, especially in the show pig game, they could change so frequently but then we have as much access to supplements and a little bit of this, a little bit of that than we ever have before. Do you choose TMD? If you don't, you should, because Jace Tarbell at Tarbell Marketing and Design is one of the best in the industry when it comes to graphic design, marketing, and design work. Folks, he is on top of the game. He thinks outside the box. If you don't know, you should by now visit choosetmd.com because the difference is in the details. I want to know what it was kind of like back in the day, uh, a sample ration, if you will. Say you had one of your Duroc gilts, it was just a little harder bodied, really muscled up, but needed to soften her up. I mean, nowadays there's about 35 different fat supplements out there, but did you really dig into the supplements game early because you were knowledgeable about it? Or what was kind of the, the push or the differences between then and now? That's a good point. Yeah. Back then, probably, you know, we didn't really think about supplements as we think of, as we know them today. Um, they were more like kind of more of a feed that you could blend with another feed. Uh, they had much higher feeding rates than, than we do now. Uh, um, supplements are very concentrated now and, um, you know, and do specific things. Uh, and back then, we were kind of at the mercy of whatever feeds that we could get. Now, some people would go to the grocery store. There's two places that I went. The grocery store was one. And the horse section of my local feed store was the other. Um, and they had lots of good stuff in there. Um, you, you know, back then, even the horses were, were kind of head of the game uh, as far as supplements. And, and that's where we had to go to, to to get some of those things, those those high fat products like soybean oil or, or whatever. And I can also remember going to Sam's to buy uh, soybean oil uh, because that's that was the only place that really had it. Um, you know, you could buy it at a grocery store in small quantities and, uh, pay a lot for it. Of course, you know, that's kind of what they're in business for. So uh, I guess what I'm saying, we had to find those things where we could. Um, and the, the the local feed store, the horse section was a good, good one. And then the grocery store, you know, for human products. And uh, we, we kind of made our, our own supplements per se, I guess you'd say that um, when we didn't have them. Um, and then companies started uh, thinking more about that, at least I did, uh, about what we could do uh, to make uh, feeding animals a little easier. And some of the products that that we have came from me mixing in my garage for my daughter's pigs hmm. um, and lambs. And kind of, I I thought at the time, you know, this is really dumb. I'm putting like ten <laughs> ingredients in here, and it's really aggravating, taking a lot of time. Um, so you know, I kind of put that into a product, and then we started making it. Um, and that's kind of the way that, that those the supplements came about, at least for us. Wow. So 
Oh, I, I'm I'm probably like a little kid in a candy store because this is all fascinating stuff to me. And so with making all of that kind of yourself, kind of explain to our listeners here what it takes uh, to get that, maybe somebody that formulated that supplement that found, saw a need and found a solution, but what, how do they get that into the market? I mean, what's the, what's the step-by-step process to, to see a need, solve the need, create the product your own, and then yet put it out on the market uh, for somebody to, uh, to sell as, uh, as Perina does, for example. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll tell you how we do it. And I'll tell you, I, how I think other people do it. Maybe I'll reverse that and give you the, how other people do that first. Cause there is a seemingly a million supplements out there. Um, and, uh, gosh, just, uh, endless supply of them seems like, and I think people realize that. Um, I also think that there's a, a way more show feed brands today than there was, say, even 10 years ago. And there was a lot 10 years ago. People may have the misconception that there's a lot of money to be made in the show feed world and the show supplement world. Um, and truthfully, um, it, 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 there isn't that much because of all the competitors and the margins are, are not that great people, you know, because we have to pay so much for them. Um, people naturally think, and I did before I got really in, involved in it when I was in my County agent days, um, I, you know, because it costs so much, I thought, well, they're gotta be making a killing gotta be making a lot of money. And actually those supplements, you know, some of them, let's say that contain, uh, dried skim milk and fish meal and uh, ground rolled oats and um, and other things and other feed additives. All those things are expensive, and they 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 increase the cost. You know that makes the supplement expensive. So uh, there's really not um, a lot of money to be made out there. But I think that's the way people think, and uh, maybe not. Maybe they're just meeting a need, their own need. And then um, they put something together, maybe get someone to help them formulate it. So it, it you know, works and, and is uh, non-dangerous, so to speak. And um, it has, has safety for animals and so on. And they get somebody that's a professional, maybe nutritionist or someone has formulated before to help them do that. And then they approach companies um, to, uh, you know, to to market their product for them. And some of them market their own. Some of them do a tremendous job of marketing their own products. On our end, the way we do it is exactly that. We have a group of ambassadors for all species, cattle, pigs, goats, lambs. And I rely on them uh, tremendously to tell me what's going on. Um, I can see for myself, but I, I, you know, they're right there living it every day. And, and, when I say, tell me what's going on, what they need, you know, and I tell them, if we don't have something that you need and someone else does, by all means, go get it. Uh, I don't want to keep you. Uh, I don't want to keep you back. I don't want to be a, a hurdle in front of you, but tell me what it is and give us a chance to, to come up with that, to answer that need. And, and they do. And uh, it, it's obvious, just like you said, that trends change, uh, particularly in pigs and in lambs and calves. So, um, and along with those things, um, 
you know, there's a need for maybe a supplement here or there. Um, you know, growing hair and cattle has always been a need and it will always probably be a need, except if you're showing steers in, in Texas where they, they shear all the, all the hair off of them, usually at most shows. So, um, you know, but the rest of the world needs to grow hair and there's lots of products out there that do that. We use some feed additives that help with that and some of our supplements and so on. But I, I try to keep my eye on what's going on and my ear and listen to people, uh, not just our ambassadors, but primarily our ambassadors, but I also listen to other people. Uh, we have many sales folk that are involved in the, in the show world and showing. And um, the thing about that is, is competition. Um, you, you've got to be a good competitor to do well in the show world. So uh, there's, they're always wanting uh, a competitive advantage excuse me, competitive advantage um, as far as nutrition goes. And and I'll say this, let me, I didn't mention this before, but it's important to note that good supplements and good feed are not magic potions. They're not something you can sprinkle on a pig and say a few words and wave a wand and all of a sudden he's good. Um, it, it, it takes a while. It's solid nutrition is the, are the best supplements. Um, and, you know, knowing, having a background in nutrition, knowing what products do, and then putting them together to answer that need, and, and then testing that product. We test it with our ambassadors. Sometimes we, we recruit a, a few of our customers um, and ask them to keep things confidential, um, and um, we gather that information, it, and it's very tough, I'll tell you. Um, from a, a show standpoint um, to how do you evaluate um, objectively, um, you know, hair growth or, you know, you can, you can evaluate fat cover, I guess, you know, and when you kill and, and carcass data and muscle too, um, but you have to sacrifice the animal for that. Most people frown on that. If, if you're testing it with a customer, they don't want you to, to, you know, harm their animals. So it's tough to get at it, it's kind of subjective in the show world uh, so uh, we lean on try to lean on more voices and hopefully more of those voices are positive uh, when they're testing products and give us feedback the negative uh, that's always a good thing you know so you're headed down the road correctly uh, but uh, I, I hope that 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 all makes sense in that you know you, you really can't measure you can measure growth rate uh, you can measure wool growth, you know, you could measure weight gain and so on. Uh, you can calculate feed efficiency, but those things, although important, are not necessarily what makes a good show animal. What it is, is, is visually, it, and it, that is tough to do. What's, what's visually um, pleasing and, and uh, what one judge really likes, another one may, eh, he may not think that's that important. So the show world trying to, to get um, the right data set, the right information uh, so that you make uh, good, good decisions about products and supplements and so on, whether they're working or not, is kind of a moving target, kind of difficult. Uh, but um, we struggle through it. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it's so, that's, I think that's why this uh – this show livestock deal is so fun and addictive in ways because it is so 
opinionated and you know you're doing this for one judge's opinion on one day and you feed one the way you like it and it changes and uh and so it's a fun game to, to kind of do that with folks i've got a one-timer for you here uh a previous advertiser that has come back to share this message with you top shelf wants to let everyone know that they appreciate the continued support of their customers dealers and wholesalers who have joined their team a lot of hard work time and money goes into livestock you folks know that as well as we do their goal is to offer a cost-effective product that adds to the enjoyment of the lifestyle and hobby of their customers as they share that with their families top shelf provides hair and skin conditioning and is excellent for tanning show pigs but has a dual purpose their clients have found in keeping the bugs off of horses, cattle, and even your dog's ears. Well, how so, convenient is that, shelf. Corey Edge? You're right. And for the Texas customers, Top Shelf has partnered with Lender Show Feeds. Any lender dealer in Texas can now have Top Shelf delivered with their feed. Go figure. Feel free to call and text the owner of Top Shelf, Scott Shellhouse, at 419 722 0773. That's 419-722-0773, or visit them on Facebook at Top Shelf Hair and Skin. We appreciate Top Shelf Hair and Skin Conditioner. Uh, I'm still fascinated. Uh, I, I'm, I'm envisioning you kind of mixing up this ration in your in your uh, garage there with your twins and and getting that to market. But um, it is have you ever had somebody... Um, make a make something at their own place and come to you with an idea to try to get it marketed or is, has that ever happened yes it has um and um some of it uh, a lot of them I, I i say it happened a couple times so it's not a lot um and someone you know one person was someone i knew casually another person i knew quite well um, and so the one I knew quite well, I could be very honest with them. Um, and, you know, and basically say, we need some more, um, you know, you told us what's in it. I can see what's in it. And there's a million things in it, <laughs> kind <laughs> of one of those things. And is it really doing what you're saying it's going to do? Um, and, uh, both in both cases, no, it wasn't, it wasn't doing, uh, what they, wanted it to do so um we had to we had to say no to both of those circumstances um certainly if something works um yeah we're, we're very interested in something like that but usually people nowadays uh, individuals and companies um keep that information kind of uh close and uh don't want to share because they want to capitalize on it themselves uh, and and like I say, there are some out there that really do a tremendous job marketing their own products. Um, and so, uh, you know, more power to them for that. Yeah, no doubt. That's interesting. Okay. So I have the biggest question, I think, of the entire list of questions we wanted to ask you. So in all of your years and experience in the nutrition world, developing products, improving feeds, what has been, and this might be asking you to like pick pick your favorite between your twin girls, 
Uh, but what has been your favorite product that you've had an opportunity to develop or be a part of? Gosh, that is a, that is a tough question. Um, there's lots of supplements. I, I, I do think that as we go along and we see more needs and uh, kind of we, we, we put things together that, that maybe address more than one need. Those are kind of neat, uh, like our newest one called Golden Ticket that does many things for, for all the species. And that one I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Um, that, one is, that one is kind of special. Um, but I probably the, the, the one that I'm probably most proud of is our first supplement called Champion Drive. Uh, that was our first effort. Um, and at the time, I think it was, well, we, we, we've been through several iterations of brand names. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I told my superiors, maybe we should just have a, a Velcro patch on our shirts where, you know, we don't have to buy new shirts all the time. We can just change the brand patch. That didn't go over well. But anyway, that was way back when. I think we launched that 2003. That was my really my first effort at a supplement. And it's still our best-selling supplement today. Mm. It, it still uh, does what, it, what we wanted it to do. Um, that's, you know, kind of build muscle without burning fat, without adding fat, uh, making the animal better, uh, particularly down its top and so on. So that one is probably the one I'm most proud of. What a, what a cool way to, uh, to transition here because that, that, that product, uh, you have, you've seen all over the country, but something that I wanted you to touch on too, and you alluded to it was this golden ticket. I, I watched a Facebook live with Brock Heron and another uh, Purina representative that kind of talked about golden ticket and what it is and what it does. And, and it's a little different. The way Brock described it is a, it's more of a nugget type of a feed um, versus a traditional pellet or anything like that. So what was the thought process behind developing that and, and um, you know, in the form that it's in even. It, it is. It's extruded, which means, you know, extruded like pet food, uh, cat and dog food. It's, it is a nugget. It's, it's, it is kind of a golden yellow color. And that's, that's kind of where the golden ticket came from. Um, the, the thought pattern there was uh, honestly to make the ultimate supplement uh, or the ultimate feed. It can be fed as a feed too. Um, and here's the thing about uh, those type of feeds. Um, you know, I hear people saying all the time, well, feeds are all the same, um, you know, and I, I just cringe and I think, how could that possibly be? You know, feed companies have secrets. I don't know other nutritionists. They don't know me. I don't know what their formulas are. And I'm certainly not going to give them my formulas. If they're the same, it'd be a major miracle. <laughs> you know, it'd be uh, uh, kind of akin to the virgin birth almost. So um, they're, they're not the same. And so when I set out, my thought pattern was kind of make the ultimate feed. And the reason is um, what I'm getting at is that we could make the ultimate feed uh, for cattle and for pigs and lambs um, to meet all of their daily nutrient requirements and get them to express most of their genetic potential. Here's the thing is that there's a lot of genetic potential that's left on the table. As good as any feed is, and as good as your animal looks like, 
there's always some that you can tap into. And that's where supplements come in. That's, that's what supplements do for you. They get the animal to express more of that what you left on the table. Uh, we could make a feed like that, but it would cost so much, no one would buy it. Mm-hmm. So um, I always thought that. And so I thought I'm going to try to do that and make it affordable, um, relatively f- affordable. Um, so um, that's where Golden Ticket came from. And there's really three components to it. There's the protein sources that are very much like Champion Drive. There's the energy or the, the calorie sources um, that are akin, similar to our product called Power Fuel. Uh, and then there's the feed additives. We have a feed additive group in, within Purina called PMI. Um, and they have many uh, different, and they're like a lot of other folks. Uh, some of them work really good, and some of them uh, are some of them are just there. Let's just say that. So I took the ones that actually we had some data on. Number one, number two, we've we've used in other feeds, and we know we tested them. We've and we've evaluated animals, that, and they make a, a a difference visually. And and that's what a good supplement or a good feed needs to do is improved animal visually. You know, any feed can make them grow and be efficient, uh, but it's what that what it does to skin and hair and muscle shape and and so on, you know, to make the animal better. And so that's where Golden Ticket came from. It's it really has three com- those three components, kind of a triangle, the protein sources, the caloric sources, and then the feed additives that do a great job at improving immune function that keep the animal a little healthier. They utilize feed a little better then. And my, my thought pattern is a healthy animal is always better looking physically, visually than an unhealthy animal. One that's sick, you can tell they're sick. Their hair is burnt. They're kind of one gutted. They don't want to eat and so on. So if they're healthy, they're just going to look better. And that's where those feed additives came from. So that was my thought pattern. And quite honestly, the extruded form uh, came from uh, not everybody in the show world has extruders and the the show feed or the show feed world um, it is very competitive um, we have competitors that have salesmen that only sell show pig feed that's all they focus on where our guys you know our sales folk have to sell cattle feed and horse feed and show feed and monkey biscuits and everything else and everything in between. So, um, you know, we're behind the, 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 we're behind the eight ball, so to speak. So the products have to, I, I, I don't know how another way to say it, they have to be better than, than other people's. They have to work uh, because, um, well, there's many forces within um, our company and one of the driving factors is they don't want to stop sale. They don't want the, the FDA or USDA or whoever state governing feed agency to come in and put a stop sale on our products because it would it sounded like a drug claim, like it would cure this or do that or do this. So we tend to state things in a very conservative way and and people are we don't make those outlandish claims so to so to speak you know where they'll jump higher and run faster and all whatever it is um so people our customers are generally um pretty pleased with our products because they outperform what we say they're going to do because we're not allowed to 
to really express that in any uh, any usable form. So um, my point is, is that our products work. Uh, they have to work because uh, it it helps our our salespeople. Uh, our products are are kind of um, our our best spokesmen, so to speak, um, because it gets that word of mouth in the show feed business or show feed world or show world um, is is really. Um, quite unique and, and very effective. You know how it is when, when somebody says, man, I, this really works. And, or they say, what are you using there? Well, I don't know, nothing. And, <laughs> and they, they, you know what yeah, it is. Yeah. They won't tell you. And then you finally, you, you realize that stuff is good. I don't know what it is, but I know it's good because he won't tell me. Um, it's the same way. That's the best advertisement you can get. Yeah, I it it's fun. Corey told a story once where he made his own uh, dextrose, just sugar water, and put like you know potion five thousand on it. Just being a funny teenager back in the day, and everybody was up in arms about it because he made it himself at home. And uh, so that, that, that you know anybody can kind of figure it out if they have some nutrition, basic nutrition value. One more pause in the action, folks. Actually, it's not the last one, but we got to tell you about the amazing group at Legacy Livestock Imaging. Charles and Heidi Anderson are at it again. Folks, if you have not seen the amazing work that they've done, not only outside of the show ring with graduation parties and weddings, you can hire them to do that. Or they can come to your show. Have you seen what they did at the exposition? Holy buckets. Their team is phenomenal. They are on top of the game. They're the best in the business. Legacy Livestock Imaging, not only great pictures, but they're great people. That's who you want on your team. Go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com to buy an image or to book a session. LegacyLastDocImaging.com. Corey and I did a, a series on this show uh, a while ago, and uh, we don't want to you you know beat the dead horse per se, but where are you at and kind of what's your thoughts on the paling um, issue kind of topic going on? Um, you know, we, we, I know it kind of goes into the politics of foreign trade and that kind of thing, but... Uh, do you think we still need it? Uh, you know, are there different ways to formulate rations to kind of keep that muscle growth and and promote growth in general? Uh, where are we? Where are you kind of at on the, the paling tobacco? Well, um, to explain the paling thing, um, so that we, you know, kind of set the table here kind of fairly, is that. Um, our pork, U.S. pork uh, production, U.S. Uh, pork industry exports about 25% of our pork to uh, either Europe or Asia. And both of those areas actually never approved the use of ractopamine, paline. Uh, so one is they, it, it's already not approved. And number two, they don't want it uh, in their pork. They claim they can taste it. Um, you know, they've even done panels where they picked out pork that had been fed paling. They claim they can taste it, so uh, they don't want it. Um, and they have very sensitive tests where they can test the pork and then reject it. So our packers uh, don't want to waste money trying to ship pork that's going to be rejected and so on. They don't want to lose that 25% of their, uh, of their, of their production. Uh, so they've went to uh, ractopamine-free facilities uh, at first. I think that there was, you know, they would accommodate pigs that were fed paling, you know, maybe 
a, a few days a month or so on. And, and now most of them that have gone that route have just went pain free or rectopamine free. So shows followed in suit. They've got to have places to, to send their hogs when they're done. Let's say county fair, uh, you know, in, in Indiana or Iowa or somewhere. And uh, after the show, those, those kids want to market their pigs uh, for the most part. They, they're, they expect to sell them um, there at their show. So that show has to send them to a packer and they want to make sure the packer takes those pigs. No one wants to get stuck with them and so on. So the shows have begun to, to ban paline or ban rectopamine. They just followed suit and trying to stay up with that. So uh, when you look at that part of it, it, it does make sense. You know, I mean, we are, the show world is a, is a part of the commercial world. Um, and, and we, like it or not, we are, um, we just did a breeders forum at, at Sedalia at the Midwest stud ram sale last week. And, and that breeders forum was focused on commercial lambs and show lambs. So we had packers on the panel and, and, uh, breeders and judges. Um, and, uh, it was, it was really good. But, um, my point is, is that we are even the show pig portion of the industry is a, a pretty good part of the U S swine industry. And we need to, um, we need to be cognizant of, of how we impact the rest of our industry, because, uh, we need, regardless of what else we say, we need those packers to take our hogs when we're done with the show. Um, so, um, that, that part is, is, you know, uh, is true. And, and, um, you know, it, it's understandable. Now, what paling does in pigs, um, you know, paling has gotten a lot of bad raps over the years. Um, you know, you can hear people say, well, paling crippled my pig and so on. Um, yeah, well, one of the reasons one of my daughters showed until she was 29. And after the NGSA uh, era, she showed in open shows. She showed in um, in Des Moines and open uh, barrow show there. Um, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the, not the open show at the national barrow show. And she showed breeding uh, guilds at, at, uh, at the, uh, at world park expo. So, um, at, at least for the market hogs, we were going to Austin with, um, I, one of the things, one of the reasons that not only did I want to keep doing it, cause I am the world's oldest 4-H member and I wanted to keep competing <laughs> with hogs and my daughter did too. She loved it. I wanted to test what these guys were telling me and some of them were pretty nutty what they were doing. So I put it to the test and a lot of them actually had merit and some of them were just bogus, uh, a few of them, but uh, most of them had merit. And one of them was paling and let's just say mass quantities of paling um, off label. Uh, like uh, if you calculate it up, um, you know, the, the maximum legal back then was, I believe, 18 grams per ton. Now it's nine grams per ton. And some of these guys were feeding somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 to 130 grams per ton, uh, which is mass quantities. Um, mm-hmm. And they were telling me what they would do. And I, I asked me, you know, what about soundness issues? And they said they didn't have any. All right, we'll test that. Um, and this was for the last 14 days. And sure enough, I didn't have any problems with soundness. Um, and here's, here's the kicker on that. Uh, what I learned was 
if your pig is sound to begin with, it can take a gob of paling and different breeds take uh, uh, can take uh, more paling than others. And it's kind of the total paling load for the amount you're feeding per day for the length of time. Um, you know, it seems like really sound Yorks can take a ton of paling um, and you really can't um, mess them up. But I'll say this, that what paling does is three things. It increases muscle, it increases growth rate, at least for the first 14 days, and then it rapidly subsides. Uh, but those receptor sites reset in about five days. So if you have to push them 14 days on, five days off um, and for the extra growth. And it also uh, you know, decreases body fat. So it increases muscle, decreases body fat, and increases growth. Typically, we feed paleen after the pig's 200 pounds, and if they're sound, I mean, we jumpstart them. Um, it almost doubles in growth rate, and it's all muscle. Uh, it does nothing for the skeleton. The skeleton can't keep up, and if the skeleton is not put together right, if it's not structurally sound, that's where you have problems. So paleen, what I'm saying is paleen takes pigs that are not right, that are unsound, and makes them much worse. So if paleen crippled your pig, um, he was a bad pig to start with, probably, <laughs> as far as structure goes. Yeah. So uh, I, I never crippled one. And I, I tried, you know, I, I basically tried to with all the paleo that I fed some of the pigs. Um, and I never did. I never crippled one. I never did. Um, so there's things out there. And people, you still hear that. But they, it's repeated time and again. You know, people say, you know, well, that's what happened to that guy. So, you know, it keeps, and they'll tell somebody else and they believe it. That's the thing about the show world, I guess, that, that does bug me is that um, there's, there's a lot of nonsense out there that people believe. And the good, uh, the good sound advice, sometimes they don't want to hear. Uh, hmm. So anyway. Well, that, that sets me up perfect for the next question. Um, you know, you, you, um, amongst others in the show feed industry or in the feed industry in general, um, do take time on social media to comment or answer questions or give that sound advice. Um, how often would you say you participate in that? How many hours a week do you, do you sit there and, and try to help people um, you know, through, through social media and just trying to give advice? Well, it's it's changed. Um, up until a little over a year ago, I wasn't on Facebook at all. Um, and then our company made me get on Facebook or, you know, create my own account or whatever. Uh, so we could do Facebook lives and so on. And it is addictive. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> I try to stay out of politics and that, although I do have some thoughts. I, I just try to stay out of that stuff. Um, and help people. You're right. And so probably nowadays, uh, more than I like, probably um, at least two hours a day um, and, and some days more, depending on, you know, what's going on and, and how many people need help and so on. What I find is by the time I, I hear a question, there's already 30 replies to it. And, and 28 of those replies are kind of goofiness um then i don't mean to offend anybody out there but i'll say this in the pig world you guys that are listening on facebook a 12 percent protein feed is not the answer for everything in the pig world. so um 
<laughs> yeah. or, cake, or, or cake mix. Yes, that's that's right. That's in the cake mix. I'll tell you something kind of funny here. Uh, at least I think it's funny. Um, one of the one of our early ambassadors was Jim McCoy, and we had a product when I worked for ADM uh, Animal Health and Nutrition, Lewisburg, Ohio. I got to know them, and um, I was one of those things I was making up in my garage. Um, was called Show Pig Fitter, and it was um, a it was kind of a concoction. But it was at the time we st- we wanted to see two or three ribs showing in pigs. You know, it was way back then, um, which is I'm glad those days are gone because those pigs were eating like like eating shoe leather. So anyway, um, I I made this formulated and I mixed it up and and we fed it to our pigs and it peeled the fat off and put muscle in them and that was way before the days of paleo. Um, and Jim wanted something that worked faster. So we made him one and we called it cake mix. That's what it was called. Cause that's what it looked like. It was <laughs> kind of a reddish color and people thought, and that's where this has come from. The people thought it, it was actually go to the grocery store and buy cake mix, but it was actually the cake mix. What they should have been buying was what we made for Jim and Jim was selling. Um, it was called cake mix. So now, I know a lot of things, one of those things. I'm, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I know a lot of things about Jim McCoy, but that is one thing that I did not know. Yep. Jim and I laugh about that still. <laughs> um, so it, you know, it's just somebody hears something, they don't fully understand it and they run with it. And <laughs> that's kind of the show world, you know, and, and, you know, you see that on Facebook and social media, where they, you know, we do what we, we want to compete. All right. That anybody that says, you know, I don't care, you know, how we place, we just want to put pigs on feed, you know, go to the fair and have a good time. I don't care how we place. Well, um, I'll tell you how that has looked at at my house. That's condensed cow manure at my house. <laughs> I'll just say that. So I, I'll tell you that anybody that has fed a pig, however they fed it in a pen with a self feeder, or, you know, managed it, micromanaged daily, uh, hand feeding and so on. Um, when they call the class of whatever it is, medium weight crossbred pigs or whatever it is at your county show, and you open a gate and you're headed down the aisle to the show ring, every one of them wants to win. And when it's the things that you do before that point that dictates whether you're going to be successful or not. And a lot of folks... Um, either don't put in the time, the effort, uh, the learning, or don't understand and don't have somebody to help them. And, and on social media, I've kind of made it my mission, I guess, because like I said, my dad took a job, um, uh, overseas. My brothers were in service and so on. So I was home alone and with my mom and wanted to compete at a high level, but, um, I didn't have really anybody to help so again i made a tremendous amount of mistakes i started showing back there when we uh, blocked market lamps we sheared their backs we sheared their belly we carted them out we trimmed them with a hand hand shear and then we showed them and the the first one that i showed looked like i bit the wool off rather than (laughs) trimmed it with a, a hand shear so i made lots of mistakes and i know that there's people out there in that same boat that um, maybe it's a single mom, 
uh, who knows, but, or, or maybe it's an intact family it just wants to compete, wants to, to, to you know, they don't want to uh, do anything it takes to win, but they want to do well. And they just don't have anybody uh, in a support system or anybody that, that takes the time to, to bring them along and teach them or whatever. And those people, if they want help, I'm going to give them help. And, and I found a lot of them on social media in that regard. Yeah. You, you find a lot of really, really fun and funny stuff on Facebook. I always, I actually kind of feel bad for some of the folks because, you know, there might be a serious issue going on with their animal. I've seen a video of, you know, a baby pig seizing up or, you know, a 50 pounder. What, what should I do? Well, first of all, let's call the vet, you know, make sure we get some money out there. But, uh, but it can be a good tool when folks like you jump on there and actually give sound advice and uh, from an expert that is obviously extremely knowledgeable in it. So, well, uh, we're reaching our our segment here we call Drop the Mic, and uh, we've really enjoyed uh, all the topics we've covered so far, and I've already inter- interrupted you once, and I hate doing that. We kind of like to let our guests talk. And now a word from our Drop the Mic sponsor, Formula of Champions Show Feeds. Hey guys, it's Levi again with Formula of Champions Show Feeds and Combach Feeds. We've talked before about how seriously we take gut health, quality, and consistency when you're buying our show feed products. But let's chat real quick about what cattle feeds you should be using this time of year. For those of you gearing up your steers for the Midwest State Fair season, you probably know they should be on some kind of barley-based feed. This is going to help put on that smooth and firm handling layer of cover over those ribs and make that steer finished without having a sloppy fat look. We have two barley-based rations for you to choose from. Our traditional Formula of Champions Barley Blend is a popular choice, but our premium product called Mega Champ has become a big hit over the last couple years. This is a barley-based textured feed that includes a high level of spelts for added energy and fiber. Then we throw three of our premium top dresses right in that feed as well. Our Show and Glow, Power Finish Extruded Nugget, and Filler Up supplements are all included right in Mega Champ making it a one-and-done feed to put those final touches on your steer that lasts 100 days before you hit your target show. For more information, check out www.formulachampions.com or find Formula Champions on all major social media platforms. Dr. Bagoon, what we do now is Corey and I shut our mic off and we let you talk, whether it be uh, something that is your biggest pet peeve out there or uh, some something weighing on your mind, whatever it may be, uh, from any corner of the industry or uh, or whatever, uh, it's your time to talk. So drop the mic. Well, I appreciate that. And there's sometimes, believe me, I need to be interrupted because I can ramble on like no other. But um, anyway, my I, I guess the part uh, the the thing that I'd like to leave you with is something I learned um, growing up and. Um, in my early days as a county agent and so on. Um, again, I didn't have a lot of support. I didn't have a lot of people, you know, advising me what to do and this and that. And I made a lot of mistakes talking about feeding and showing animals and so on. And, but I kept at it. Um, I kept at it. I kept learning um, and, you know, correct your mistakes. And, and it's easy to get, to get upset in the, in the show world because you really want to do well and you've invested a lot of emotion and time and money in your animals. Um, you know, a couple of things here. One is uh, don't get barn blind. In other words, 
here's the thing. I'll give you an example. We went to a show. I took my daughter's, and I think it was an Austin National Barrow show, uh, one of the first ones that I took them to. And I thought we had a really good pig. You know, in Texas where I grew up, we used to call them a stem winder. That was a really good one. I thought we had a stem winder. I thought that, you know, we were going to breeze through that show. Um, and I was just looking full of anticipation. And when the smoke cleared, the dust settled, I was the only one that thought that. No one else <laughs> did. The judge didn't. And and no one in, else in the barn did. So my point here is that um, be risk, realistic with yourself. That's what a good feeder is. He can evaluate his animal. He knows the weaknesses. Um, he, he knows what a good one is. And he knows what the products he's doing will do. And he employs them to change that animal to, to fix the deficiencies if he can and get them to look their absolute best the, the day it goes into the steps into the show ring. You know, if we manage weight on a pig and uh, you can slow them down to one pound a day by feeding just regular feed, cut it in half, three pounds a day, but you're not meeting all those daily nutrient requirements. So it's going to lose muscle and freshness. The hair is going to look like it's burnt. It's going to be old. Chine bone is going to stick up. And you're probably either going to get the gate or the last holding pen, one or the other. Um, so although we've got him in the white, right weight class or got him under the maximum weight, we haven't done anything constructive because we ruined the pig while we were doing it. So it has to be both. And that's where all those supplements come in and kind of feeding experience and so on. And, um, so uh, I started to say about, uh, about learning, uh, but give yourself a chance to succeed. That's what I learned as a young County agent. Um, again, I didn't have a lot of help with the animals and I did get told somewhat, you can't do that. You're not smart enough to do that. You're, you know, you, you, you don't have the aptitude to do that. And I believe that garbage for quite a while uh, until I accidentally, again, I was just fortunate to have the experiences I've had and blessed, um, had the opportunity to see, Hey, I can do that. Uh, Give yourself a chance to succeed, whether it's showing a pig or a lamb or anything in life. Uh, don't start defeated. Don't let other people defeat you before you even get started. You know, try it. Give your and and um, and here's the thing uh, about well, I tried and I can't do it. Well, try again. Maybe try harder or try something different. You know, I've heard people say, "Well, I failed at that." And here, here's if you don't. Remember anything else I say, remember this. You don't fail until you quit trying. Then you failed. But as long as you keep trying, you're learning. You, you may not have succeeded yet, but you're, you're, you're banking that information. You're learning what something will do. You're learning not to buy a certain pig that is a certain way. You're learning what soundness is. You're learning that pigs develop. They don't have to look like they're ready to show and they're 50 pounds and so on. Um, but give yourself a chance to succeed. You know, get out of your own way, so to speak. And don't let others put you in that position where they, they make you believe you can't do something. Um, prove it to yourself that you can't do it. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Well, uh, Dr. Bergen, I, I, I think it's safe to say that you, you dropped the mic. Uh, I said that on another episode we did uh, with this segment. Your thoughts uh, are, are just 
Absolutely spot on. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Like Trevor mentioned earlier in the episode, we know, uh, you know, as I'm on the road, Trevor's on the road, uh, everybody's lives are busy, but um, you know, the opportunities that we get to share stories and knowledge and exchange thoughts and ideas and, and laugh a little bit along the way is the reason we do this podcast. And so um, very thankful that you took time to do it. Um, we're going to close it out, I think, and, and wrap it up. I think that was uh, about as good as what we could do. So thank you again so much for your time. Trevor and I are very grateful for, for it and look forward to seeing you on down the road. Sounds good. I appreciate you guys a lot. Thank you. So come to find out, um, Dr. Kevin Burgoon is appreciated by a lot, a lot of people. And yeah. they, they respect his uh, opinion. Uh, actually, this week we had a new uh, sponsor that joined us uh, for this week. And Scott Shellhouse was the one that says, man, you ought to get uh, Dr. Bragoon on and, and see. So you ask and you shall receive. How about that, Scott? Yeah, could not be prouder uh, to have Dr. Bragoon on the podcast. So uh, I guess with that, Trevor... Any closing thoughts for the week as we send the good folks into the second half of their week? Happy Wednesday. Uh, man, if you're in the show pig deal, uh, you're loving life because this is the two biggest shows back-to-back expositions. Uh, we've, then you've got the, the CPS Team Purebred show out in Springfield. I'm loving life there. Uh, jackpot shows are heating up all over the country. We got the BLE coming up this week. I guarantee you, I will have some kind of holy buckets moment by next week. So, uh, you and me both, brother. Yeah, we we got a lot going on. So, uh, we're very appreciative, uh, folks. If you're wanting to be part of this uh, podcast in any way, shape, or form, we can surely do that for you. Uh, just uh, hit us up, Stock Talk Podcast at gmail.com. Or message us, uh, get on our website, stocktalk-podcast.com. We still have hats and a couple t-shirts, so that's always available, stocktalk-podcast.com. And feel free to use our hotline if you want to be part of the show. That number, again, 234-320-0457. And with that, folks, have a good week. We'll see you next time.